The workout doesn't matter. The length of training doesn't matter as much as treating yourself as important does. So I want to start with the story, and I, I want you to hang in there because it's a good story, first of all. But two, there, like any great story, has some latent symbolism that we'll use for our our chat today. The story starts with me at the side of the road. It's about two degrees Fahrenheit. We're on I seventy in between Vail and Denver, and gas is dumping out of our cargo van. Each person in my family is crying, and they're waving to me as they hop into an Uber heading towards the airport. Now, we as a family, and don't judge, okay, but as a family, it's been a dream of ours to, to have a cargo van and to do some, some nomadic traveling, whether in Colorado in snowy conditions or see some of the national parks. And we just got this van. This van to us is, is brand new. And I have no idea what's going on, but the reason that we're on I-70 is because I got to get my three children and my wife to the airport while I continue on to Wyoming to do some some work. We need to get them to the airport or they're going to miss their flight. And so we call an Uber driver on the side of the, the highway and, and miraculously he, he pulls up. His name's Abdullah. There's a big shoulder in between the highway and the service road that he's on. And this guy gets out of his SUV and he goes through the snow as I'm handing each one of my children to him to put into his car. This is a traumatic experience for my family because they're they're leaving their dad and their husband on the side of the road just hoping that he figures it out. And this guy, Abdullah, he picks up on that. And for the entire two-hour drive to Denver, he's sharing scripture with them. He's sharing his own experience. When they get to the airport, he doesn't do like most Uber drivers and say, see ya. He parks his car. He gets out of the car. He helps them into the terminal because he clearly is aware that they're by themselves and this guy, as I look back, is an angel delivered from heaven on behalf of my family. Now, I'm stuck at the side of the road, gas pouring out. And the protocol in Vail is that you have to alert the police, and then you alert the fire trucks. And then you can only get a tow truck after those guys have cleared you because it's potentially dangerous. And so I'm on the side of the road. My jeans are wet up to my knees because I was also going through the shoulder and through the snow fire truck, three police cars, and finally a tow truck shows up. And because this is a cargo van, there's no dealerships in town that can do anything for it. So I also have to go to Denver. This tow truck pulls up, and I want to describe to you the best that I can what this gentleman looks like who's driving the tow truck. He has coveralls on. He's got a missing front tooth. He's got a Kenny Chesney cowboy hat that looks like he's been sitting on it. And he's got so much tobacco in his lip that he can't, he can't close his mouth. His name's Travis. And I beg and plead with him because he's a local tow truck. Is there any way that you could take me to Denver 
where there are dealerships that can somehow tell me what's going on with this van. He calls his boss and he says, let's do it. Let's go. And I have one of the most interesting rides to Denver that I've ever had in my life. First of all, I don't get a single word in. All I do is listen to this guy. And he tells me his life story. And he's either uh, completely full of crap or he's quite possibly the most interesting man in the world. He's lived in the Beaver Creek Vale area for the last 30 years. He's basically a glorified ski bum. He's a chef, a tow truck driver. He works for the city and like three or four other jobs. Now, when we finally get to the dealership, what he's heard me go through is calling each one of these Mercedes in town. There's three or four throughout the huge metropolis that is Denver, and none of them say that they can help me. None of them say that they have any availability. It's January. They say they can't help me until May. And so as I'm arriving at this place that he's dropped me off, I've pretty much um, figured out that I'm going to live in, in Denver. There's like no way for me to get home. Nobody's going to help me. And so the second angel in this story, Travis, instead of dropping me off and saying good luck, we sit there in the cab and he says, you know what? Let me go inside with you. And this guy is crazier than March hair. I mean, he even looks insane. He's got hair sticking straight out like he just got electrocuted. He sticks his cowboy hat on, zips his coveralls up, and he says, watch this. Now, in this Mercedes dealership, like many car dealerships, there's a dealership portion, and in the back, there's the service portion. As you and I both know, no one's supposed to go into the service portion. That's where the employees work. <laughs> he makes a very loud to-do that he's in there, and he says, where's the manager here? I'm looking for the manager. I... And he never stops moving. He keeps moving back, keeps moving back, until he's in the deepest recesses of the service department. At this point, I'm like, man, come on, don't, don't make a scene. But at that point, he has made a scene. He's made such a scene that the manager, three service techs, and a whole bunch of other employees are like, hey, sir, sir, you can't be back here. And he says, good. I'm here because you need to help my friend out on the phone. You said that you couldn't get him in until May, but this guy's from Dallas. His family's not even here, and he needs you to do something. And miracle of miracles, the head of the service department is like, well, let me see what I can do. And then Travis leaves. Now, he didn't have to do that. He was busy enough. He had to get right back for another tow all the way two hours back to where he was. But he took the time to do that because he knew it would have the effect that we were looking for. He leaves. I'm there at the dealership. And I'm still just sitting on my hands because we need some tech. Now, mind you, it's January. My van's outside. It's snowing. I still, even though we've been pretty lucky so far, I still don't think anything's good going to come of this. And the third angel shows up. It's Frank. Frank's got a shaved head. He's got a spiderweb tattoo on his neck. And he comes out in the snow without a jacket, gets under the front part of the van, and says, hey, man, this is a long shot, 
but I think I know what happened. I think it got clipped in some snow as you were driving through something, and I think that I can fix this and get you out of here. And he did. It took him an hour and a half. I could see that his fingers had turned white because it was 10 degrees outside. But this guy was already busy. He didn't have to do this. But he took time because it seemed like it was important. And so that's a long story. But the moral of that story is each one of these angels had other things that they were doing. But because someone else seemed to be in need, they were able to make time and space for something that was important. And today, the concept of busy is what I want to talk to you about. I'm Spencer Nix. This is the BPR podcast where we chat about the art of radical health and athlete design. And most of the time, these podcasts are geared towards the coach, but not today. Today, this one's geared towards you, the person trying to be healthy. Now, I hear this a lot. You ready? I hear this comment. You know, I would love to train, but I'm just too busy. It's, it's so common. It's almost a cliche. Now, that statement is typically accompanied by I'm busy because of work or I'm busy, you know, I'm a mom of three. And those of us that are coaches and not your spouse or your coworker, man, it's hard to argue with that. We, we often say, well, man, maybe, maybe they are too busy. But today I'm going to do just that. I am going to argue with it. I'm going to say some hard things so that you might rarely use that as an excuse moving forward. And then, if you're brave enough to stick around, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do instead. Now, before we launch into this, I'm not speaking as a sentient being sent down from on high who's never felt busy. I am on the operating table right next to you. I feel and have coached myself through all of this stuff. So it's not, oh, you really should. It's more, I know exactly how you feel, and I have to work on this too still to this day. Now, the first reason that we use this alibi is because it feels saintly. What's implied is that you're busy, but you're suffering for a good reason. No one, I imagine, in the history of time has has claimed that they're too busy because they're doing trivial and silly stuff. It's typically something that that has like a, a badge of honor to it. You're too busy because of your kids. You're too busy because of your career. But I want you to know this isn't a saintly sacrifice. You subjugating yourself in the name of your family or your job is implying that both need you to compromise your health on their behalf. Now, look, maybe there's a few jobs out there that are like that, but most aren't. Maybe there's a few families with tyrannical children (laughs) lording over their mommies in their weakened conditions and they love it, but I, I honestly doubt that that's you. It's not virtue that you're showing, it's victimization. Now, the best relationships throughout history and time are the ones where both parties are strong. Think of any story except maybe for Weekend at Bernie's. 
any story that's worth listening or watching, all the protagonists, all the heroes have strength to them. It may be different, but it's not a very good story without that. I'll give you an example. Why do you think that Marvel is better than the Justice League? Do you think it's the director's? Is it the actors? No, my opinion is that Justice League isn't as enjoyable because everybody looks weak compared to Superman. He can do all the things that all those other guys can do. Now, Marvel, say what you will, they're all strong, but in a different way. You can think of any other movie with a ragtag group of actors, and what makes Ocean's Eleven good is because everybody brings some strength, albeit different. And the same is true for you at home or at work. Those people around you, they actually want you strong. They want you at your best. Now, if this is you, and it's me too, if you feel like a victim of your circumstances, I want you to listen and do one thing, and then you can shut this recording off. Now, I want to warn you, that if you do this, it will ruin this feeling for you. This, this nice warm blanket of nobody, nobody understands how I feel, it, it can rarely be used again. I want you to go up to the person, family member, child, coworker, boss, whoever, and I want you to say this. I feel like you want me to compromise my health in order to do whatever it is that you're saying you're too busy for. And then say, is that true? Now, most of you won't do that because even just saying that sentence out loud, it sounds so silly. And more than likely, you know it's not really true. Now, if you were playing the victim, it's okay. We all do it. It's actually a coping mechanism. It's a way that we, we give ourselves comfort when things are hard. But the quicker that you can snap out of that from here on out, probably the quicker you can get to taking responsibility. And that's one of the things that I want to dig into next. Before we get to the practicality part of the sermon, I want to go a little bit deeper. We say we are too busy, I think, because we don't want to admit what's really going on. If it wasn't something else outside of you that caused you to skip workouts do you know whose fault it is it's yours (laughs) that doesn't feel very good if we admit that then we're admitting the self-disgust self-contempt shame self-consciousness that we're very well acquainted with if we're honest that's inside of us and we don't want to feel that now one I hope it's encouraging to hear that in all the years that I'm coaching others, that thing is so normal. I don't know anybody I've talked to except for sociopaths or narcissists that that don't feel that way. Second, my hope is that when you make a mistake, like saying you work out and then you don't, that you hate the sin but not the sinner. You should treat yourself the same way, this is how we tie the story back in, you would treat somebody stranded on the side of the road. Someone who's got their, get their kids to the airport. Someone who needs their car fixed. Don't speed up and say I'm too busy, but slow down. And figure out just for a moment what's really going on 
and what that person that is you actually needs. My guess is, is that you're not too busy and that you do deserve to be healthy. You just have a flawed way of thinking about being healthy. Now, as we move into the implementation portion of our class students, I want you to remember three things whenever you start a new chapter of health and fitness. One, you got to plan creatively. Two, you got to pay attention. And then three, you got to prioritize yourself. When I say plan, it's not what you think. It's not the obvious. I want you to find a coach or a friend who's really into fitness. I want you guys to drink a, a whole bunch of coffee. And I want you to get a whiteboard out or a computer. And I want you to come up with 30 different workouts. I want you to come up with a workout you can do when you're low in energy, when you have little time, when you have lots of time and you have high energy, when you need to blow stress off, when you're in the garage with the equipment you have, or when you're with your kids or without them. I want you to make a list and have that readily available at all times. You have only 15 minutes, you're at home while watching kids and you have low energy, there's a workout for that. You have a packed day, but there's a treadmill in the office gym that never gets used, there's a workout for that during your work call. You got to be way more creative than to say, I can only work out if it's 60-minute increments at a gym. If you really are busy, you're going to have to go off the reservation of ways to get it done. Get in the habit of always wearing clothes in your daily life that you can move around in. Yeah, some of us have to wear, some of us, not me, some of you have to wear really nice clothes, and so it probably makes sense that you bring a, a pair of workout attire always in the back seat, almost like a spare tire. But the point is, remove any excuse that you have to not train and come up with contingencies, that's the plan, around every obstacle you say that you have. You may be busy, and you probably are, but you're not too busy if you can spend a little bit of time getting creative. Now, second, pay attention. You have your contingency plan, but that's a backup. That's not ideally what we want to be doing all the time. We're not, we're not like putting duct tape on this whole system of exercise. And so if you have a plan, ideally what you're going to do, say go to the gym three times a week, and you fail more than a few times, it's not a very good plan. If a car breaks down three times in a row, you got a problem. You know what I mean? So if this is you, <clears throat> pay attention. Don't just chalk it up as to a lack of motivation or you just got to try harder. There's something within the system of your life that needs to be tweaked. What's happening the night before? What did you assume it would take to be able to exercise this time? And what did it actually end up taking? Sometimes we, not sometimes, most of the time we underestimate even the length of time that it takes to do something like that. It's not just exercise, but it's the transition and the margin on the front and the back end. So consider that. If you're making mistakes over and over again, take a step back, slow down. That time spent will make the rest of your life more efficient. It's very counterintuitive. You'll need to keep doing this as long as your life continues to change and as long as you continue to be busy. It's just what's required if you want to be healthy. Now, before we go, I have one more P for you, and it's prioritize. Nobody should be telling you to compromise your health 
on their behalf. And quite honestly, I imagine that they aren't. Whatever your reason for being busy, it doesn't justify mistreating yourself. And that's what you're really doing when you're saying you're too busy. When I hear I'm just so busy, what I really hear is I don't care about myself. That's what I hear. And I know that's not true. So as we close, the workout doesn't matter. The length of training doesn't matter as much as treating yourself as important does. Thank you for listening.